Hello and welcome to another edition of The Tigers Down Under. I'm your host as always, Alex, and with me tonight I have Logan. Uh, good evening, Alex, and uh, everybody. One point better off, one position higher on the table as we edged um, up, up one position uh, with a pretty underwhelming draw against Reading. Um, how did you? What did you think of the game, Logan? It was a bit underwhelming, I suppose, nil-nil, but a point's a point. Yeah, certainly. I think the uh, the key word underwhelming uh, probably sums it up. But I don't think the match was without its its moments. And I certainly, uh, whilst the, there's contradictory uh, reports coming out of uh, out of Hull itself, I think that uh, we're probably are starting to show glimpses of improvement, uh, particularly defensively. Uh, it's kind of that catch twenty two where uh, where we're scoring goals under under Slatsky and losing, and now. And Atkins, we're, we're struggling to find the, the back of the net, but at the same time, we, we aren't conceding them. So uh, we've kind of lost our strength and uh, and have kind of fixed our, our other problem in defence. So, uh, yeah, look, it was an interesting game, and I think that probably uh, summed up by that, that one moment where Terrell's goal was uh, disallowed, uh, which probably would have provided uh, probably the only real highlight of the match. And what, what was your take on that? It's a bit of a controversial one that I've seen people talking about a little bit. Uh, it's one of those hard situations where you feel like the ref's generally going to favour and protect the goalkeeper. Um, seems to kick the ball out of his hand. An argument can be made he didn't have control of it. Uh, it's always a tough one to adjudicate, but, but what was your take on it? Yeah, as I watched it in, uh, in live motion, I kind of, uh, I heard on the side of it probably was a goal. Uh, as I saw the replay, I was pretty content that the referee uh, got it right. Uh, Monona had enough control and, and certainly did have his hand down uh, pressing the ball against the ground and, and Terrell did kick it out of there. So I know that goalkeepers are a, a reasonably protected species and there's a lot of complaints made about that um, nowadays anyway. But I think that um, I'm pretty happy for the for the referee's decision to stand on that. Um, obviously, I would have preferred it to be a goal, but I think he probably got it right. And, and speaking of Terrell there, he really seemed to be our most dangerous player for large chunks of the game. He was sort of creating a lot of chances, uh, lacking a bit of conviction sometimes in his final product, but really sort of opening the game up for us when he could. Yeah, certainly. I think he does uh, grow into that role of um, offering us the, the hope of creativity or the spark. Uh, when you look at who's sharing the, the midfield roles with him, um, and certainly along the, the David Myler, Jackson Irvine uh, Positions, they're more uh, just grafters, and and they've been uh, particularly Jackson has been in- incredibly impressive in that uh, role. But um, yeah, certainly when you're looking for that creativity or that flair, um, Terrell is offering it um, uh, certainly more so than um, than he was initially, and than what we're getting from other players, um, with the exception of probably Jared Bowen. Were there any other players that stood out for you from this game that uh, deserved praise? I think McGregor had another good game in goal. Not that he was challenged on too many occasions, but anyone else that really came to your attention? I've already touched on it. I thought Jackson Irvine had a, a, a exceptional game until he uh, went off. Uh, whether he was injured or if uh, he was just a, a tactical uh, substitution, I was. I really was impressed with his work rate. Um, as per usual, he just he, he's really grown into that role of chasing everything, and I, I think he has uh, kind of made that position his own now. Um, I've really enjoyed watching him play. And I think that he was probably a standout. Um, if I was to offer any more suggestions, I think uh, Kamore and um, and Oleana uh, probably had their two of their better games uh, in the sense that they weren't giving away as much easy ball. It's probably been the criticism that I've had of both of them over the last uh, few games 
his their ability or inability rather to to find feet with their passes. But they looked a lot more uh, consolidated um, in this game against Reading. So it's a point gained. Um, good to get on the board again uh, in terms of getting points. As you say, frustrating that it seems as if we've sort of solved our issues in conceding goals, but also lost our ability to score goals. Always seems to be the sort of thing where you can't really manage one without the other unless you're a really top-level team, which uh, we seem to not be at the moment. Uh, but we'll move on to Sunderland on the weekend, who we'll talk about in a second. But we've also got some transfer news over the weekend. Interesting developments with two bids for uh, McKenna from Aberdeen, centre-back Young. 18 appearances for them in the league, and they're sitting second in the table, so he's obviously doing something right. Sounds as if we offered 300000 initially, perhaps you know, largely back-ended, only a small sum up front. That was rejected out of hand. We've then gone back with a restructured offer, but for the same amount of money, so perhaps more of it up front, I'm not sure. Uh, And that was also rejected. There's a lot of noise coming from them that he's not for sale. Always hard to tell how much of that is just sort of grandstanding and and really wanting to push up the price, uh, which it sounds like we're willing to do with a third offer. Um, Logan, do you think he's the sort of player that we need at the moment? Obviously, we're looking for a centre-back to really sort of shore up that defence but is a, a relatively untried youngster really the way to go, or should we be looking for more of a mature body? In many ways, I think the offer is, is somewhat insulting, uh, probably because of the fact that we haven't really, uh, considering the outlay and the amount of money that we recouped um, in, in going down last year, um, to be offering bids to, to players to, to fix our defensive problems that kind of were present, certainly under Slucky, and willing to outlay 300,000 uh, it's just it's just embarrassing when I when I really think about it um and I think it's probably uh, alludes to the fact that the club must be close to a sale because if there was any doubt the Allens have well and truly um packed up shot as far as willing to fork out any kind of uh money uh for for these purchases I think that he's certainly an attainable uh target uh, and I think that if we've only uh, produced a bit of 300,000 certainly we know uh, city fans we've got room to move uh in that in that regard for for the cap and i think we probably will go back for a third bid uh whether he's the answer to our defensive ways I, I would be incredibly um uncertain if we were putting our hopes in uh, in a in a scottish <laughs> scottish league player um for that kind of money to, to fix uh what has been up until the last few weeks a, a, a very large concern for us well, I think I saw Swanee writing an article in the Hull Daily Mail for another Merck player potentially being the answer to our questions. Uh, the captain from the team that we played on the weekend in Paul McShane, potentially looking at someone that we should try and get back to the KCOM. Uh, how would you feel? Obviously, I think there's a lot of uh, optimism, well, uh, positive feelings towards him from the supporters and he'd be welcomed back. What Do you think he's the sort of player or is he the player that we would need to look at to get back? Well, I think that when he went down and the uh, the crowd um, gave us a, a relive the moments of uh, Don't Sell McShane, uh, <laughs> I thought that was that was fantastic, and um, uh, that really kind of uh, showed if there was ever a doubt the uh, affinity that, that still exists among the city faithful and uh, and Super Macca. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player, and I do think that given the fact that he's captaining the Reading side, he's obviously held in high esteem there as well because of the way he goes about his business. He would certainly be welcomed back at City with open arms and I think he'd do a fantastic job for us. Um, one thing that you'll never doubt uh, with Paul McShane is 
is a hundred percent commitment to everything that he does. And whilst he is uh, getting on in age, uh, if you were to invite him into a relegation scrap and the club that he clearly cares about, I think he'd do a fantastic job for us. And I know it'd certainly be one that uh, the, the fans would be incredibly endeared by. And then uh, on the injury front, in more positive news, Abel Hernandez due back hopefully next month. He's aiming for a return to the team. Uh, to get him back in February, I think, is a bit earlier than we were expecting. I think initially people were thinking he'd be out till late March. Uh, obviously, even if he is back fit in February, he'll still take a couple of games, a couple of weeks to get up to match fitness and uh, get his sharpness back. But that'd be a huge boost to the team. Abel Hernandez coming back into the squad, uh, given our frailties in front of goal at the moment, would certainly be a, a huge boost. Uh, whether the, he's ready to come back into it into the fold just yet, I'm, I'm not so sure. Uh, given the fact that we know he's injury prone and has had a history of uh, picking up these niggles and, um, and some reasonably long spells on the sideline, it would be a huge hazard to, to certainly miss him for the last kind of two months of the season. Uh, but with the World Cup coming back, uh, coming up, sorry, uh, you know that he's certainly very keen to get out there. And Abel Hernandez wanting to be on the field, uh, scoring goals for us can only be a good thing, uh, particularly at the the crisis moment we find ourselves in now. It'll be certainly interesting as well if he can get himself fit and playing again. Uh, from his point of view, that would also be good because I suspect he'll be looking for a move away in the summer. But if he does struggle for game time or has a reoccurrence of his injury or anything like that it does beg the question of whether he would look to sign at least a, a one or two year extension to, to really sort of ground himself and get back to fitness and sharpness and, uh, and uh, attract a potential suitor either from the championship or, or from overseas. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that the, the beautiful thing about the situation we find ourselves in, um, particularly City fans in a relegation scrap wanting to stay up and, and Abel Hernandez, whether he's wanting to promote himself um, for the World Cup spot, we both have the, the same goal in the, in the sense that we, yeah. he wants to score goals and we need them to keep us up. So it, it does seem to, to marry up quite well. And uh, yeah, I, I do think that if the end of the season did roll around, he would certainly be one of the, the assets that, um, that other clubs would see as a very good answer to a lot of their striking options. And, uh, and he'd, probably be a pretty good steward to, to move on. Um, he'd be hot property in, in some respects. Floyd. And off goes Myler. And he beats Catamolis, former teammate, to it. David Myler against his old club. It's two. Myler leads the celebrations, including a reference to... Well, we've just heard there uh, a pretty famous goal scored by David Myler in the FA Cup quarterfinal, uh, if you would call it that, against Sunderland that booked our place to Wembley uh, a couple of years ago now. And we've had a couple of memorable clashes with Sunderland over the years. It felt like under Steve Bruce, we basically couldn't lose against them, um, basically winning uh, all of the all of the games uh, that he faced them in in at least that first season, uh, and I think also that second season as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it turned a bit sour last season under under Marco Silva and also Mike Phelan. Um, I think we lost both of the games, unfortunately, under the pair, uh, and now we find ourselves both in the championship. So, Logan, our, our upcoming opponent this weekend is a pretty familiar one in a lot of ways, shared managers, shared players, uh, all sorts of things. 
Um, what what are your thoughts on Sunderland and your memories of playing them in recent years? Well, for all the heartache that we've experienced over the, the last, particularly 12 months as City fans, but obviously going back longer, um, if there's another club that you would like to distance yourself from, um, Sunderland is probably the club that um, have been on the steady spiral um, even more so than us. <laughs> um, the situation they find themselves in is, is really horrific and it's actually quite sad when you consider the size of the club um, and uh, kind of what they represent for the North East to, to be in the situation they're at um, is, <laughs> is somewhat of a catastrophe. Um, I saw that they released Jack Rodwell and uh, oh, some of the comments were... that was just ridiculous were, though, wasn't it? Uh, well, it was a hideous deal, um, but yeah. the, the comments that came out about it, the, the worst decision they've ever, ever made, um, tells you a lot about where, where they find themselves. Um, Bullard-esque look, as well, as, actually. As, extremely. Yeah. Uh, when you think about the comparisons, it's exactly right. I, and that was the thing that kind of sprung to mind for me as well. Um, but I think about the what's happening there and, and how much trouble they're in. Uh, they're still the team that, uh, you know, we saw what they did. They probably were uh, responsible for our relegation, uh, given the uh, kind of coming to life of us last season until uh, they obviously put us out of our misery. Um, I think that this game's a dangerous one. And I know that they're down and out, and I know that they've got a lot of troubles. And when you look at their position on the on the ladder, uh, as you said, 12 months ago, you probably couldn't write a story that had a worse lineup than this matchup. Uh, given how sad it's been from both camps. But I'm very wary of them, and I think that on the day that we're very fragile and could easily go there and find ourselves on the receiving end of a loss, which at this at this time of the season, and given where we're at, would just be horrible and really put us in a world of hurt. Well, I think, um, yeah, absolutely. I think whichever team loses this game faces the very real possibility. In Sutherland's case, it would be a certainty. But if it was us to lose the game... A very real possibility that we'd be bottom at the end of the weekend. So it's a pretty terrifying fixture in that sense, and there'll be a lot of nerves from both teams, I would suspect, because from a Sunderland point of view, it would represent a very good chance of picking up the three points and really sort of starting some sort of revival. I mean, they've got Chris Coleman in, so he's he's a decent enough manager, and he just seems to have had no impact there, which is much the same story of all of the managers that they've had in recent years. Uh, and as you said, it's, it's a remarkable story, and... Um, as a neutral, you kind of look at them and you think, oh, well, they offered nothing to the Premier League. You're happy for them to go down, possibly. But then from a sympathetic point of view, you look at them and you say, OK, they're a big club. They've got a 60,000-odd stadium, 50,000-odd stadium. Uh, so similar in stature to Newcastle in that sense. Um, reasonably successful club in the past. Um, apart from the fact that they've churned through managers in recent seasons and really settled for quite a mediocre uh, target in the Premier League, there's not a whole lot to actively dislike about them, really, other than, you know, the stereotypes about location or whatever you want to talk about. But I remember um, when we first got relegated back in 09-10, Bruce was at Sunderland. They were looking quite an attractive team to watch, and I found myself uh, following some of their games in, in their Premier League seasons where they had Ryan, Ces- uh, not Ryan Sessegnon, Stefan Stefanion, Sessegnon, Elmo, of course, was there. Myla was there. Uh, Gian up front. All those sorts of guys. They were quite an entertaining team to watch. And, and it, it's almost as if ever since they sacked Bruce, it's all just collapsed for them. And um, I, I know uh, Rick Skelton on, on Twitter a few weeks ago 
was asking the question of if there's ever been a, an occasion before where two teams have faced each other in three different divisions in successive seasons. Uh, and I think the answer came back that it might have happened only once before, which was with Cardiff and Wolves in divisions two, three, and four in 84, 85, 85, 86, and 86, 87. So a very similar sort of um, collapse as us. So obviously it's never happened the other way around. Um, but it would be a remarkable sort of story because you, you get some clubs going through a double relegation like a Wolves or I think uh, there was another club that also did it recently. I, I forget who it was. Um, but having two clubs do it at the same time, it, it would be quite a remarkable sort of situation, especially as I touched on at the start. There's such a shared history between the clubs in recent years, at least. Obviously, with Bruce as manager at both clubs, Elmo and Myler, um a few other sort of connections as well. It's quite a remarkable sort of situation and, and a very sad one for both clubs, really. Um, there's, there's so much off-field issues with both clubs as well that uh, it's just a, a remarkable sort of situation. And, and just going back to the game itself, it's a huge opportunity for, for us and also for them to pick up three much-needed points, um, you know, to underline how dank and, and, and hopeless their situation at the moment is. They've had one win at home in the last 13-odd months. So um, it's a very bizarre sort of situation where playing them away is almost... Uh, there's almost more hope of getting a win than there would be if you were playing them at your own home ground. Yeah. If there was ever such thing as a 12-pointer, I think that this week is... <laughs> so yeah. Certainly, um, and like I said, the parallels between those declining clubs, um, the, the Blackpools, the Boltons, um, uh, and Blackburn as well. And I know they've kind of resurrected themselves a little bit, the, the latter two. Uh, but it, it really does kind of uh, send that striking fear that City really are in a relegation fight now. And if they were to, to find themselves getting relegated um, this time around, um, but the gap between the League One and the, and the top of English football becomes a, a monumental um, hill to climb. Uh, so, as you said, this, this, this game this week against Sunderland is going to be a ginormous one. Absolutely, and, and you see some of the uh, more pessimistic City fans, if that's even, you know, not not an oxymoronic sort of, uh, sorry, I should say tautological sort of uh, <laughs> phrase, you know, uh, pretty much would sum up the entire supporter base at the moment. But uh, pessimistic City uh, supporters retweeting tweets from last year where we'd said, you know, oh, well, at least we'll win a couple of games in the championship, and now retweeting it and saying, oh, well, at least we'll win a couple of games in League One. But it is that sort of situation, you think, you can't just assume if you go if you get relegated that you can bounce straight back up. So it's a very dangerous situation that we find ourselves in, and probably underlines why it's so ridiculous that we haven't brought in any uh, any new players so far in the in the window. It's it's halfway through. Um, it's almost as if the owners don't recognise quite how uh, dangerous the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, Sunderland, at least, I think, have brought in a uh, a defender from Chelsea on loan. I saw the amusing comment from Coleman talking about, you know, if you play for Chelsea, you must be a pretty good defender. And, and, and the uh, response being, well, obviously you haven't seen the uh, Chelsea defenders on loan at City, but uh, they're at least trying to make a few moves in the market and, and hopefully we can pull our finger out and start making a few moves of our own soon. Well, you would hope so. And um, from, from another standpoint, is you've got to think that the, the cost to the Alums themselves, if they are looking to sell the club, uh, unless they know something we don't know, uh, the, the cost of a football club, once it reaches League One, um, would surely be even more uh, diminished yes. than, than what the, the current price tag already is. Absolutely. Uh, so so, yeah. so with, with that in mind, there's that hope that you know something will happen in the market and that we will 
um, go out and, and strengthen in those positions that are of great need. Um, so then just rounding things off, uh, talking a bit more about the game itself, I suppose, uh, any changes that you would make to the lineup uh, from the side that ran out against Reading? Campbell perhaps um, starting up top if he's fully fit, or, or, or are you happy to see Dicko um, go it alone? I've been really impressed with Dicko. I think I know that he hasn't had the goal return, but I was I was actually saying to my brother as we watched the Reading game that, uh, in, in all honesty, that I can't remember a striker that's gone up and played that um, that top striker by themselves role better than what Dicko does. Um, he works his socks off and he and he makes a really valid effort to to hold the ball up. So I, I'm never too um, uninspired when I see Dicko uh, as as leading the line um, by himself. But with that being said, I I know that and we all are aware of. Fraser Campbell's goal scoring ability, um, not always for positive reasons. Uh, well, he also he likes but, but scoring do... against a former club, so might be the game to roll him out in. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and I, I would like to I would like to see uh, Fraser Campbell, knowing that Sunderland are in such a predicament, it would be uh, an awesome opportunity to go there and, and play two strikers and and really throw the kitchen sink at them, uh, so to speak. Um, the other change or well, the question of change that we're kind of unaware of would be the situation with Grzycki, yep. uh, whether he's he's back into the fold, um, and in which case, if he is, then he certainly comes straight back in because we don't have a, a larger threat than himself. Um, and also, yeah, that, that would probably be the, probably the, the, the major ones that I could think of. And maybe if Jackson Irvine did get injured when he limped off against Reading, um, maybe there might have to be some uh, thought about changing that round as well. Do you have a score prediction for this one? Uh, this this is pot- potentially the hardest uh, score prediction to have ever made, um, given the frailties on both sides. But uh, I do have that uh, that promising feeling that I don't think it's going to be dire straits for cities. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. I think we're going to get the. I think we'll win one nil. Yeah, I think I'll go with you on that one as well. I think you kind of just get the feeling that we've been grinding out draws and grinding out results uh, the last couple of weeks, and it'll turn in our favour in this game and we'll be able to, to edge across the line with a 1-0 win. But, uh, yeah, as you say, it could go either way. It, it's a it's a pretty huge game uh, with a lot riding on it. So I know in the past our players tend to sort of go into their shells a little bit when there's a lot on the line and, and I guess we just have to cross our fingers that they can uh, that they can really stand up and, and be counted for in this game. And, and sort of in a mirror of the game six, uh, 12 months ago, it, it, it really has that much riding on it that um, if we can get the three points and sort of start to edge up the table, then um, our position in the championship would be a lot more secure for next season. That's exactly right. Um, I guess the reality check is we are still only in January and uh, there is, it's very tight at the bottom and a long way to go. So if we did lose this game, it wouldn't spell the end off um, of <laughs> end of the world for City. But if we were to pick up three points and, and skyrocket out of that bottom uh, kind of four or five spots, uh, that would be incredibly promising um, as far as signs to, under Atkins that we are heading in the right direction. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we can pick up the three points on the weekend. Uh, and thank you for joining me tonight, Logan. Hey, not a problem, Alex. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. And hopefully we're back here in a week's time talking about a big win against Sunderland. So until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black.
There's no turning back, cause you're out.